powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Let me tell you a little bit about my wedding day. Um, so obviously I woke up and I was just stressed, right? Because that's how it is. It's an exciting day. There are exciting things going on, but just the cake wasn't here. The groomsmen's ties were not the same shade that I wanted them to be with the bridesmaids dresses. Things were not going well until the third period of my wedding day. And that was when it was the reception and everyone was happy and things were going well. And then my husband got two penalties in overtime and then the Jets lost the game. <laughs> this is a terrible analogy and I don't know where I'm going with this, but welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg, everyone. My name is Liz. I'm joined by my regular co-host, Brady. We were at one of the street parties today, the party in the plaza for the first two periods of the game. Ended up coming back and watching more hockey here than at, you know, the actual street party itself. And we're also joined by our wonderful friends, Kishore and Peter today. Kishore and Peter, thank you so much for joining us. We are super excited to talk about the game today lots and lots and lots of emotions just generally speaking across the board but before before you get into it if you want to bet get in on the action and make your bet with sports interaction every hit every shot every goal if you were someone who bet on this game going to overtime after the vegas golden knights went up 4-1 hopefully you got a cash out before you bet on the jets winning that one but you probably are looking at some pretty good money right now with competitive odds, the best in live and play, and more than ever, ways to get in on the game, like Minute Madness, our exclusive game with so many opportunities to win by the minute. Download the app in Ontario um, or head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Playoffs can be pretty crazy. Let's keep ourselves controlled out there. Brady, I'll throw it to you to start things off because I already talked for so long like I always do at the beginning of episodes, but how are you feeling right now? Oh... Uh... That's that's such an open-ended question. Um, disappointed. Uh, I tweeted out, don't you goddamn dare give me hope, Winnipeg Jets, and they did. So that's that's one one thing to mention. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't really know how to how to feel right now because a majority of that game was just brutal. That was the Winnipeg Jets that we saw for however many you know months in the middle of the season there from January to March. Uh, that was a bad team. And that was a non-playoff team playing against a team that was looked like they were re- they were there. They were ready. They were ready to play playoff hockey. And uh and and you know what? Like I'll I'll give the Jets credit. They came out and they played their asses off in the third period. They made sure that they uh made this one interesting. Uh, I didn't expect to be here, you know, talking about a double OT game. Um but uh, but yeah, I mean, hey, it's it's crazy what happens when a team discovers they can shoot the puck. Um, that was a big issue, and you know, Connor Hellebuck what didn't have maybe the greatest game for a good chunk of it. But I'm sure we'll talk about all of that. Uh, Kishore, how how are you feeling here today uh, after this game? Fuck, fuck, we had them. We had them. You could see them folding. And like, and like, it would have been all the narratives would have started to come out. And I had prepped all the, it was 4-1 tweets. You could imagine I had it like locked and loaded in my brain, but you could see them folding as a team. This would have ended Vegas, I think, had they lost this game in a lot of ways. Because the way they turtled and then absolutely played like garbage in the third period, um, I I was... Uh, I, I just, I, I, I'm crushed, but I'm just so mad because it was right, right, right there. So first thing I have to say, 
all love to Dylan Sandberg. Yeah. I feel so bad for that for that guy. You could see it on his face. He was making the right play. He was pushing it up the wall. But That's not just a all bad love to Barbershop's leg. Was he making the right yeah. play though? I don't like he he was Leave he was going alone. for a more direct pat. Like I'm sorry. Like I thought he he played great, especially considering the you know the additional minutes that were given to him. Um but you know, it, it, and and I think it is just one mistake. But unfortunately, it's a mistake that does to yeah. you know decide the game. But I I don't know. Like I feel like he could have been much more safe about going up the wall. But I don't know. It's it's it, tough. It's tough to say. You you might be right. And it's like those are that's exactly what a double OT or triple OT goal looks like. Bounce off some somebody's leg and then gets uh, put right in. Um, but. I am a, I know Brady, you said Jets don't give me hope. You gotta love this. Like mm-hmm. Winnipeg is like a, is a working class town. It, it And what we got was like a full on working class. Like we're going to come up off the mat and fight as hard as we can, even though we are not as good as the team on the other side. And I think there's going to be images of Lowry screaming as he scored that goal that are going to be framed in people's houses. It yeah. was amazing. Like it was an incredible comeback. In a lot of ways, it was more memorable than the four-one comeback against Edmonton. Don't in, say in that. The, <laughs> well, we didn't finish it off, but it, like it, it just like meant so much for a frustrating team to see them actually fight uh, at the end and show a lot in it. Uh, I think we're going to dig into like the details of the game. Um, but so much of the first two periods was everything that was wrong this season. And that last period was just like, was a uh, bonus being like, F it, let's just activate the fourth D and see what happens. And like, look what happened. Yeah. Uh, Peter, can you, can you give us a, an outsider's perspective on the game here? How we should be feeling with the, you know, four potentially four games remaining uh in this series down 2-1 against the Vegas Golden Knights yeah that that was I mean I've been a Jets fan for the last four hours now so like I <laughs> I feel like I've I've almost been uh acclimated now like I, I go way back with this team all of a sudden but no like you guys have kind of nailed it like the, the first couple of periods looked every bit like the team that kind of game the, the team that I generally hope uh host for uh in, in game over Calgary that looked like the team that gave Calgary hope for the, the last little bit of this playoff run where they just couldn't do anything. And then the back part of the game, um, I, I guess what actually technically ended up being the middle part of the game, um, they, they they played really, really, really well. And from a, a Jets fan standpoint, like if you have a game in January where you're down four to one against Vegas and you come back and you tie it and you end up losing in a stupid shootout or Sandberg banks it off of Barbashev and it goes to the wrong guy and it ends up in the net. Then it's like, you know what? Moral victory. Like this team can build off of that. They can grow from it. There you go. It, it happens. It happens in April and it, it, the sky is falling. It's terrible. Should we start Riddick in game four? Like there's just like, everything <laughs> is just like absolute madness everywhere. So um, I, I do want to, to kind of piggyback on the, the Sandberg comment. I actually, if we were talking about like unsung heroes in this game, which again, it's tough when they play four hours of hockey, but um, I thought he played a really good game mm-hmm. leading up to the whole baboom thing. Um, but he had a really good play that cut off a Kessel rush. Um, I think he had another, he had a couple of plays where I was like, Oh, I didn't know about this guy until four hours ago, but he played well. Um, and, and so I think a lot of the players did step up. Like there's a lot of positives you can take out, out of this game. It's just very difficult now to go, Hey, moral victories when you're, 
playing the number one seed in the Western Conference, and now they only have to win on home ice the rest of the way to, to knock you out. So I, I'm going to try to keep the vibes as as up as possible. I wore white to join in the whiteout, which apparently the team doesn't do, but that's another conversation <laughs> for another time. Peter's bitter about um, it. <laughs> yeah, I'm very bitter about it. I was like, what the... But anyway, um, but no, like overall... Again, in the grand scope of the entirety of that hockey game, I do think that the, the Jets played well enough toward the back part that you can say this was a well-played game by them. But th there's so many little things that you can look back on. Uh, I think Connor Hellebuck was a guy who probably needed a better start. Um, Shifley, I had a whole bunch of notes on where is this guy? And then he scored. So like th there's just there are a few guys who you would really like to see just little things from, but they're capable of those things. So I do think you can take some positives out of this one is the, the long, long form way of saying, ah, you guys will be all right. That's fair. I, I do like your, your comment on Dylan Sandberg because yeah, I, I feel like it is important to make it clear. I'm not hanging this entire game on him. And in a game where your top left-handed defenseman goes down with an injury, uh, honestly all around that, I think the defense played well. I think the issues yeah. I have with all of the jets, play is mostly on the forwards tonight um you know but that's a whole other story uh, i and i really do think that dylan sandberg had a really good game other than that final uh final giveaway i mean he he was pretty much stapled to jack eichel yeah. every single time that they were on the ice and uh good on rick bonus to make that uh adjustment um to you know make sure that there was always a man on him and dylan sandberg stepped up to the plate and did well to you know kind of cover him um yeah, because no, yeah. I agree, because at 5-on-5 five five tonight, I thought that Jack, Jack Eichel was a little bit less noticeable than I was expecting. Mm -hmm. Last game, he was so fantastic, and it was terrifying, and obviously he had those two power play goals tonight from a little office up there on the left corner, um, but... Um, Elliot Friedman tweets out, Rick Bonus just announced <laughs> that Josh Morrissey is done for the series. ACL tear, probably, then? Something like that. There's <laughs> something bad. Um uh, Can I retract my initial? You guys will be all right. Uh, <laughs> that, that certainly <laughs> alters things a little bit. It does yeah, slightly no... alter things. You are right. Uh, get the low gang ready, folks. Here oh we go. Hell yeah. He's coming. Stanley's coming in there. I mean, they don't have any choice now. Um, let let's uh, like, let's build on what you were saying, Brady, as I, as I emotionally deal with what you just told us. Um, <laughs> Sorry for dropping that. Yeah, I was, I'm going to need a couple minutes. <laughs> I, I can ramble yeah. for a little longer if you guys no, need to, I, to process that. If we need to switch to black now instead of white for, for more funeral <laughs> setting. Yeah, this um, veil, this we, we veil, we're switching that. the color of the veil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I, I want to start with the, the jet strength all season was Hellebuck, the PK, and that, and then you would get like chip in kind of grindy goals. Well, guess what today? Hellebuck needed to stop that first goal from Chandler Stevenson. Uh, he was uncomfortable most of the game. I don't blame him for uh, a couple of power play goals, but he was a little leaky tonight. Uh, and we're used to Connor Hellebuck being one to two goal saves above expected uh, in a game. Right now, uh, this game, he was flat. And frankly, outside of the greatest save we've ever seen in Winnipeg Jets history, he has not been the dominant Connor Hellbuck that we see in the season. Brassois has gone toe to toe with him so far, and that's not a recipe for a Jets win. Second, the PK stunk in yeah. that first two periods and they put them in that hole. And, uh, you know, you can't dig out from a four, one hole. Usually when your two best things, your PK and your, uh, and your goalie aren't performing the things that the Jets struggled with all year, the power play, 
looked like garbage for those first two periods. Oh my! Uh, and and uh, the fact that Blake Wheeler is still on the power play cannot ex- exist. It, we cannot have that happen. Uh, the power play there. movement <laughs> dies with Blake Wheeler. Um, and then I was ready to bury Mark Shifley, um, especially when he gave the the turnover where he just fumbles it off the puck yep. and goes out and he comes back in and scores. Guess what, Mark? Not everything is forgiven because that was a bad game uh, by him through and through. And that Shifley-Wheeler line was terrible. Yeah. Um, well, they were awful. You, if you look at the, the Dubois-Connor uh, the Dubois Connor Shifley line. They had until it was broken up. They had zero, not even a shot attempt. Like that, that top line only exists and only works if they are out generating their the opposing team. Otherwise, you can't have that many, you know, star players on a top line together. Uh, alleged star players, I guess. Um, Self acclaimed. <laughs> and and especially when you know two of those guys have defensive deficiencies. Like you need to make sure that you are at least producing on the offensive side of the puck and, and just, yeah, I, I, geez, you touched on so many important things there. Um, I just, I, I, I have to jump in here. We'll get, we'll ask you, we'll ask what you think, Peter, in a moment. I'm sorry. Um, but oh my God, just go. I'm just, I'm, I'm the shoulder to cry on today. The the power play, man. And like, I, uh, here's the thing, like with Nick Ehlers out with Josh Morrissey out, it is difficult to you know, be completely upset and, you know, this and that, that Blake Wheeler is out there, but man, it's, it's, it really is obvious that teams know that when him or Kyle Connor have the puck on the wall, just to pressure them, because, you know, most other, most of the, most of the other teams, if they see a guy on the wall, they'll respect that and say, oh, you can play with it on the wall. We don't care. You take as much time as you want over there. Every single time that they see Blake or Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor on the wall. They are licking their chops. They are about to jump on him. And then there was one power play. I think it was in the second period. Uh, one of the Vegas players lost their stick. It was the player who was playing at the top of the of the of the diamond. And the Jets just passed it around the perimeter a thousand times, like they always fucking do. And and I and this is the one thing I think Neil Pionk had a very a, a good game, especially considering everything else. And maybe we can chat about him in a bit. But on that specific power play, he stood at the blue line the entire time. When the one guy who's at the top of the PK doesn't have a stick, you should be collapsing. You should be you should be on almost like at the top of the circles at that point. Um, it was just brutal. It was it was so frustrating. I, anyways, that I just needed to I just needed to spew that all out. Um, Brady and I were in the in True North Square when that was going on, and yeah, the guy's broken stick, and it was like they were like flirting with an off uh, with an offside. They were that close up to the blue line, and we're like, "Oh my god!" And we were yelling, and the people in front of us kept turning around, and we're like, "Just don't like ignore me," because I'm just freaking out because I was like, <laughs> "What are you doing?" Like that, and yeah, and the puck movement on the power play with Pionk and Wheeler as opposed to Ehlers and Morrissey obviously is not going to be as good, but it was like they were doing it to themselves and it was just so frustrating. I don't know if Peter, if you noticed that similar kind of theme that we're all screaming about here. Yeah. The, the power play. And that's something like I, it, I, I didn't watch all 82. I watched a bunch of the jets this year. There's a bunch of players on this team. I actually like, and that's why I thought coming in like, okay, power play isn't going to be much of an issue. Cause you see the talent on there. And then I, I it might've been the first power play. Petrangelo took the puck from Wheeler as if he was standing still. I was like, Ah, that's um, that was way too easy, wasn't it? But uh, I thought, to me, 
the the power play like and maybe it was Vegas taking it away I didn't think it was but like you, you see the shot that Shifley lets go to kind of get this thing going I think there needs to be a little bit more focus of hey can we get that dude the puck a bit more often because that shot is a weapon all due respect mm-hmm. to the one-timer of Kyle Connor um which ended up working out as well but it, it seemed like in a way that Vegas was trying to get Eichel the puck you should try to be getting Shifley the puck a, a little bit more as well because that seems to be the biggest weapon you have and yeah Pionk there were times on that power play where it felt like he was trying to not screw it up. Like he, he is, he is the Josh Morrissey replacement. He is out there with the the big guys. Let's just not just don't get in the way. But then you saw as the game went on, he was a little bit more comfortable. He had a, a play where he just bolted from the blue line in and got a pretty good opportunity. And then he did that again on the goal that ends up tying things up. Wheeler gets a lot of the credit for what he did at the blue line, but Pionk I think was able to keep that play alive. So he got better as the game went on, but you're right. Like on that particular power play, they needed a a little bit more and not to derail the entire power play conversation, but we talked about Shifley a little bit there. He made a play when they, first of all, when they took him off of that line and put Niederreiter on it, all of a sudden that line was just good for a while. And that was, it's great that that started working. That should be rather concerning that it, it takes a neater rider to Shifley shift to get a, a line going. That That's a bit of an issue. But the the penalty that led to the power play goal that really broke it, the, the 3-1 goal, which felt like an absolute backbreaker because the Jets are starting to build that momentum. They're starting to get going. Shifley had a pass to Wheeler that was just a, a touch behind him. And someone who is a bit more of a jerk than me would make a joke about, I don't know how Wheeler's overskating anything, but um, <laughs> Shifley with a pass that's just a touch behind Wheeler that leads to the rush out, that leads to the penalty, that leads to the goal. And it's just, it's those things in playoff games where obviously this game ended up being pretty fucking close. It's those types of things, those little plays where it's Pionk not recognizing a guy without a stick. It's Shifley with a puck that's just a little bit off this one way. It's Hellebuck missing a shot that he he normally would stop a thousand times out of ten. It's those little things that, that end up costing you these types of must-win games at home. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and I think um, it's so funny. You, you're reading my mind on the Shifley thing because I am such a Mark Shifley in the slot or just slightly over to the side where he scored that one goal. Like, I want him there. And I'm okay. Like, I, I scream at it both ways. It's like they need to be in certain spots, but also they need to be more fluid. So I, I understand that I can't have it both ways. But when Kyle Connor is over on that side, I'm like, go away. Don't be there. Like, I cannot stand him on that side. And I cannot stand um, when Blake Wheeler is in the slot either. I don't like him there. I don't like Pierre-Luc Dubois anywhere but in front of the net. Like, there are all kinds of things that I just don't like about that power play. But yeah, Mark Shifley needs to be a shooting threat. And when... <laughs> When the Jets played Vegas in 2018. And oh my, Winnipeg Chief made a tweet that's like, wow, I can't believe that um, Vegas four straight wins after dropping game one to Winnipeg is going to be the start and end of this core with the Winnipeg Jets. And I needed a moment because, oh my God. Um, But in that playoff run, in that playoff series, like Mark Shifley made an office in the slot there in the the middle. And it was Patrick Liney was the shooting threat on the left side. So he often had people cheating towards him, right? And it's the same thing now where people cheat towards Cal Connor when he's there. But I agree. I genuinely think that Mark Shifley in the slot is more of a shooting threat than Cal Connor. And I know that's an insane thing to say, but I believe it. Um, And we saw a little bit of it tonight, which is great we need more of it because he's not a passing guy on the power play let him shoot like i don't know so that's just my two cents on that uh kishore it looked like you had you wanted to jump in a moment ago i was just i was ready to label the underperformer of the game your trademark thing brady uh like 
You haven't been talking about the underperformer and overperformer of the game. Yes, yes, yes. We did. We did start that last. Yesterday. I guess we did have a uh, the first game. We did have a, a player of the game. And we had because it was a great game, so we did our player of the game, and then we're like, mm, time yeah. for the underperformer of the game. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, I I think it's time uh, that we talk about what the hell Pierre Luc Dubois was doing in overtime. Um, well, first of all, I don't mind the penalty at the end of regulation. He might have saved a game-winning goal there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think you're supposed to trip Mark Stone. Yeah. What you're not supposed to do is lose Mark Stone before all of that happens. But, you know, putting that aside, uh, he full-on need Mark Stone in overtime for no reason. Uh, in, in Like, what is going on there? Like, all game, he was just like, what if I channel my inner Brad Marchand? I thought he was going to lick somebody at some point. It was so off the rails of how he was just like, I'm just going to pest them. I'm just going to pest them all game. It's like, no, your team actually needs you to go generate some offense. Uh, I thought he was the underperformer of the game. And if that's how he's going to play, um, enjoy Montreal is how I felt. I, I honestly, uh, it was like, it was... Oh, time to go like that was just over the line what he was doing yeah the wedding veil is coming off i'll be real with you on that it was definitely not after game one i thought we were getting i was like this is the guy that i've been screaming and like telling people i'm like i promise guys he's coming he's coming like it'll happen i swear and game one i was like guys like what did i tell you and now i'm like oh my god don't listen to anything i say ever again um because yeah like just the boneheadedness in a way that you can't get away with. Because there's a lot of boneheadedness that you can get away with when the refs aren't calling things like they weren't in that overtime. And you can be, you know, an Adam Lowry or Morgan Barron. Morgan Barron in particular, I think, is a player who in this game did a lot of things that were maybe okay. They definitely towed a little bit of a line, but in in an okay way, in a way that I was fine with because it was effective and you were kind of guessing with the refs. You're like, I, I don't think this is going to get called, and it wouldn't. But Pierre Dubois is like, actually, I'm going to do the stupidest thing known to men where the refs who desperately want to put their own whistles, whistles away simply cannot because of how much of a call this was. So love that for him, and yeah. So, okay, it's, now that we are on the topic of officiating, like, I... I said refs, and Brady was like, okay, time I, to go. <laughs> here's the thing, here's the thing. I want to be very clear here. The Winnipeg Jets did not lose this game because of refing. Um, or anything like that. I wanted to be very clear. This is just me being a little critical. Um, but the, my my first my first issue my first issue with all of this is that one of the referees for today's game was Trevor Hansen, who was one of the referees who happened to ref the uh, the Jets game, the second last game of the season where the Jets were playing against the Minnesota Wild, where everything went to shit. It was an absolute shit show. It was a complete gong show. Um, they, they, that was a, a textbook game of the refs lost control. And my take on this necessarily isn't, you know, he, he you know, because he ref the, the Jets recently and, and it wasn't that great. Uh, he shouldn't be refing. Um, my issue is that I have this to talk about right now um, and that the NHL does not care enough to, you know, be cautious of of any any uh, of of potential storylines of potential headlines. We all have heard about the the Sheldon Keefe and and Wes McCauley thing. Um, you know, I I don't think that there's any sort of conspiracy there, nor do I think there is any sort of conspiracy here. Uh, from uh, Trevor Hansen or anything like that. 
But it's just like, come on, guys. Like, you know, you should know what the optics are. You should know that people are going to talk about this. Um, I'm not saying that, that he had any sort of bias or anything like that, but he's a human being. He roughed this team just the other day in a game that went got out completely out of control. You don't think that there's anything in his mind where he's like, oh, you know, maybe this one guy, you know, I got to watch for him, this and that. Just, just at any sort of potential, just the potential of any sort of ill will any sort of feelings being heard of any sort of whatever but but then also like i i look at this game and i just go what what was the standard like what was what was the standard that was set by the refs in this game uh boarding apparently was allowed the entire game uh, i'm very glad that that you know niederreiter figured that out he delivered a, a great hit on one of the the uh vegas players um but there was like three or four that, that were completely missed on that the 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 nemesnikov i think it was nemesnikov the interference penalty that he took happens like I, I saw that that exact pick play happen like at least 10 other times in this game um you know i i, I have no issue with the calls on Pierre it happened Dub right before the play got called on the way up ice exactly uh, too <laughs> exactly and um and i feel like i can't remember there was one in the first period no, who's, where's the marcia so dive when was that one? Oh, the was, uh, he qualified for the Olympics, though. Let's like give him credit for like that incredible. That's who. Yeah, it was second. And there was that. There was and then even just like a little thing. Uh, you know, in 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 the in the second overtime, uh, right before the 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 Vegas Golden Knights score, there's a moment where right near the end of the PK, Brendan Dillon gets the puck down low. He's about to shoot it out, and a Vegas player Gone. sticks. His, his stick in behind in behind him and gets like the the kind of can opener between the stick and the legs of Brendan Dillon, which in most games that's considered like a hook or some sort of restraint penalty, uh, and he wasn't able to clear it. And so there there were just a couple times here where again I and the Shifley dog pile that one was weird the, the, too the Shifley dog pile mm -hmm. which leads to the first Jack Eichel power play goal. Why was that? Uh, uh, why was that? Why did Jets get the extra one on that? I have no clue. Um, especially when that starts by Nick Hag slashing Shifley and cross-checking him. You know, they both go for the punches. That's fine. You should. That's fine. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois falls on a guy, and therefore that's apparently a penalty because it's Pierre-Luc Dubois or whatever the reason is. I don't know, but. I just wish that there was a bit of a more clear standard uh, as to what was okay, what was not. And there was even a, a penalty on, on Vegas that I completely thought was soft. Uh, it was the, the slashing penalty. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, that one was bad. I don't remember who... Nick Roy's penalty, I think it might have been. I think so. Um, but regardless, like ju just, I'm just naming players, just to show that, the, just to show that this is not a like specific to Winnipeg thing, like the refing today was just bad and as someone yeah. who is an official i feel like i liked i i i feel it is partly partially my duty to at least critique it and then the odd times that they do things properly uh to to be like hey they actually got that right um but yeah that I, it was just so frustrating and and how do you really uh you know battle in in a playoff series or a playoff game like this when you don't really know what is and what isn't allowed because there were so many that could have been and weren't and so many that were that could have not been so i don't know anyways that that's my spiel on the refing it was just yeah it's just tough so i to i think i totally agree if they didn't lose the game because of this i just want to put in really quickly as much as i hate vegas minnesota has caused so many problems across the playoffs um, that play by Ryan Hartman, he's skating around, chipping in goals and assists. We haven't had Ehlers for the playoffs for a meaningless, illegal check to the head. 
uh, or a check to the to the shoulder. Matt Dumba, illegal check to to Joe Pavelski's head. Yeah, uh, Pavelski gone uh, for the playoffs. Like that team is actually number one on my on my shit list of like most hated teams right now for just how dirty they're playing. But Vegas not far behind. Yeah. The, the thing with me about the, the officiating is that, like, to, to you guys' point, it kind of changed from period to period. I was just looking at it now. There were nine penalties called in the first period, six the rest of the way. Now, two of those are because a couple of guys decided to punch each other in the brain 45 seconds into this game. But still, like, it, it did seem like they were going to, like, okay, we're not going to let this get out of hand. Crowd's going crazy. We'll give Winnipeg the extra one, nullifying that power play, and that'll keep keep the boys in line. And then they just kind of were like, yeah, fuck it, go for it. In the the, the final, however long the rest of the game lasted, um, going into double overtime. But I, I did think that it was, it was noticeable how in the first period, you couldn't do anything. And in the last part of the game, you could do everything. And I, I feel like it did kind of, and I'm, I, I'm joining the chorus here in saying that this is not the reason why that the Jets lost this game. For sure, don't go behind four to one. But I thought that the Jets actually had the advantage five on five for a lot of this game. I, I thought the the longer that it stayed five on five, the better the Jets got, and the more pressure they they started to pick up. But special teams, Vegas was whooping y'all. Oh, so yeah. it, it did yeah. feel like the the five on five edge was going to the Jets, which was not great when you have a period where half of it is spent in the penalty box. Oh, very true. And that's the thing is, again, I will always, always say, like, I, I'm an anti-ref talker about her. Me and Sean Reynolds, my, my boy, um, just, I, I spend less time on it than some people, but mostly because I don't trust my ability to call a penalty is call a spade a spade. I really don't. Um, but I always give credit to the team that just kind of says, okay, well, this is the circumstance. And then they kill off a hell of a penalty or they have an awesome power play. Cause you got to do what you got to do afterwards. It's like, you know, you can sit and same thing. It's like, you know, moral victories. That's not whatever you lost a game. Now you have to win the next one sort of thing. Like, so Vegas, who cares if they were, weren't penalties, their special teams were much more effective tonight. And like you said, Peter, I think you made a really good point about how it looked like the jets were getting manhandled really early on. Um, but as more five on five play progressed, they got better. Um, which I think was really, really important for them. And that's how they were able to capitalize in that third period and crawl their way back. It wasn't like things turned on a dime. Slowly, slowly, they were getting better as they kind of had more time to gel. And I think, you know, changing up the lines a little bit helped them um, with things. And some of the defensemen getting a little bit more comfortable playing with players they weren't always playing. You know, some guys were on their offside and things like that. They got better. Um, so, you know, we have our, our good friend Matt in the chat. Matthew is not super thrilled with us blaming this loss on the refs. We're not. Um, I think it's just pretty clear that this Winnipeg Jets team wasn't ready at the beginning of this game, and and they sort of found their way a little bit as the game went on. That overtime, the shot count was extremely misleading, in my opinion, because I thought the Winnipeg Jets had a strong, whoa. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Sorry, Brady just pulled up the deserve to win a meter, and I guess I forgot how bad those first couple periods were. But Those like, first two periods were bad. Like, it's <laughs> unacceptable. But overtime even, got even though better. I totally yeah. agree, Jets had 10 shots after two. Like, just you can't you can't i i know shots is a misleading statistic in a certain way but you just can't win that way well, and I that's found, not all special teams i i'll be honest peter i i i'm surprised to hear you say that you thought the jets were the better team at 5v5 because i found it was like whenever it was i mean both 5v5 and power play like it felt like the jets could not get anything other than shots from the point and I mean, that is very much their style of play. They like to get a lot of shots from the point, but the whole plan is that those shots from the point are going to develop into, you know, a rebound, a tip, a this or that. Mm -hmm. And of course that is how they get their one goal. But man, I just uh, like, especially the first, 
I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you're relying, you know, relating more to the, you know, the, the second half of the game when it was, you know, the third and the overtime, which I did, do think they were better, but man, I, I, I'm almost frustrated. I'm I, I'm frustrated with how bad those first two periods are and that yeah. they, they gave us a reason to kind of try to forget about it because like they, how do you, how does this team come out? Not motivated? Like it, right. in, especially in your own building, uh, after, you know, getting kind of you know your your face kind of rubbed in it the last game uh like they needed to come out and play like like a team that has a fire under their ass and they didn't like uh, like uh, do the jets need another player to get a fucking skate to the face in order for them to you feel motivated oh he came back so we're all you know we're we want to fight for him and it's just like you even have a brendan dillon fight right off the top of this of of the game and that doesn't get you going like I, I just right. and and that's why I have pause for the rest of this series. That's why I'm sitting here going, I don't know, because it, to me, it, it felt like too little too late. I mean, I guess it was enough uh, to get to overtime, but but I don't know. I, I just I can't. I here's can't. some hope here. Here's some hope, like because oh, I do think I we right have now. to like <laughs> flip to the positive. The third period had a lot of positive vibes to it. And you saw Nate Schmidt all of a sudden show up with a ton of speed. We haven't seen that Nate Schmidt all year. Uh, we saw Neil Pionk really take a more physical uh, bend to his game. And the Jets, I realized Vegas was sort of turtling and just going into a prevent defense. But the Jets activated a fourth D where oftentimes the D was the playing like an F2 role, how far up the ice they were. Yeah. I know that's not Rick Bonus hockey. But that's what it's going to take. You don't have Morrissey anymore. You don't have uh, Ehlers at this point. Um, Hellebuck has got to be Vesna Buck, and they got to just generate some chances. That's the only way they're going to be able to keep up with just the sheer firepower. Uh, and frankly, if they play like they played in the third period, this is a game of one bounce. They can easily make this 2-2, and now it's a best of three uh, uh, going home. I think there's a lot to take out that's positive. Uh, and frankly, give me a whole game of uh, PLD Connor and Niederreiter. Maybe we'll actually start um, like putting some pressure uh, on Vegas in their own zone. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a good point that you mentioned because um, they were able to make that third period happen. And like, it would be one thing if Josh Morrissey got hurt at the beginning of the third period and they were like, like you said, skate to the face, like rallying behind this guy or whatever. But they were icing five exhausted defensemen and they were still like, they had played poor periods and all that. Like they have it in them. They're able to do it. Um, But before we keep going, Peter, I know you got something to say and I'm going to throw it to you next. Um, But I just want to point um, out what Brady just threw in the chat here. We have a link for you to let you know that we are raising money for Alphabet Sports Collective throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. So all three of the Canadian markets that have uh, game over playoff shows right now. So ourselves, Edmonton and Toronto um, are promoting this and the entire SDPN is supporting this cause. Um, So for those of you who don't know what Alphabet Sports Collective is, um, they are really focused on creating a safe and inclusive environment in hockey for all folks of sexual identities and different gender expressions through education, community building, and mobilization. And you can donate or find out more and learn about the organization through any of the links that you see um, pinned from SDPN in the chat or that Brady just threw in there. So we'll chat a little bit more about them through hopefully more than 
two or three more games, but um, definitely support that cause. It's really important to all of us at SDPN. So, um, Peter, I'll let you proceed with your thoughts here. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to um, kind of follow up on the the five on five conversation. Um, first of all, you said just long shots from the point. I watched eighty two games of Daryl Sutter hockey. That that gets my motor rev. You know, like that's that that's what I saw. That to me, that's successful <laughs> hockey. Um, so, uh, but no, when, when you. I thought that was probably the best way to, to beat, beat Brassois because he was like rebound control, never heard of her. It was it was all over the place where the, the pucks were going. And I thought that a good way of trying to beat him, get those long shots through because I thought Vegas was doing a pretty good job of kind of collapsing down, but get a rebound that goes any which way and, and try to create opportunities there. And then I thought Vegas, the, the only real chances they were getting aside from the power play were off of the rush. And if Winnipeg could make the neutral zone any easier for Vegas to get through? I don't know. Uh, Cause that was, that was way, way, way too easy for Vegas um, all night to, to just fly through the neutral zone. Those are the chances they were getting. If you just get in their way, kind of, that's going to, to slow them down uh, a little bit as well. And then when you do look at the goalie matchup, like I just all due respect to, to Laurent Brossois feel like there's another dud coming. And I feel like we just saw Hellebuck's probably worst game of the, the series. Like you, you, you do have to assume there is a little bit more from him coming and a little bit less from the goaltender on the other side. So I, I do think that there are reasons for, for optimism now from a, a Jets perspective. And, and I think they figured out like their game plan, or at least I, f- I hope they have, because like, it's, and it's pretty obvious. And Rick bonus has been yelling at the team all year to do it, but just shoot the goddamn puck. Yeah. Like it's, and it, it is insane at how little a, a shots, what you were saying, it was like 10 shots after two periods. I think, right? Was that what you said, Kishore? Less there? than a dozen, yeah. It was it was not it good. Was and and I mean that... they finished with thirty-four shots and they played five periods. Like that's yeah, that, that not a good rate, you know. No, no, certainly not. No. And it's just like, man, it's it's crazy. It's crazy that shooting the puck uh against a goalie who's a backup goalie normally. Uh, you know, a good backup goalie. I like I like Laurent Pasquale. We want him as our backup goalie. Yeah, like <laughs> love love the guy, miss him. But uh but like man like you you we saw everyone saw the first game maybe not you peter if you you were busy but um the first game like laurent brassois was leaky and maybe you know not a ton of the the chances the jets had where he was leaky ended up turning into goals but man like i i still think back at how many times mason appleton could have buried one uh in that first game just having pucks on the line and obviously that leads to the baron cut and everything like that but um but yeah, I, I, I really hope that at very least what the Jets do take away from this game is that uh, they just kind of shoot the goddamn puck. Like, yeah. it's it's crazy. It's insane the the amount of uh, energy that was flowing through the team after after that Nino goal. And all it was was a shot. Like, that's it. Yeah. Totally. I think you nailed it, too, um, Peter, when you were saying that you know the Jets neutral zone play wasn't great um, going in either direction. And when they were coming into the zone, there was a lot of dumping that went on which is whatever because that's you know how hockey is played but there was a lot of not dumping actually entering and carrying it up the flank boards and kind of going around whatever and then screwing around with the puck a little bit below the goal line giving it up and then all of a sudden vegas is coming back the other way if instead of doing that you throw a loose like a fluffer on brassois a lot of things can change and like i just wish 
there was a little bit more of that because you know what kind of rebounds you've been getting for the last couple of games. Vegas has been better than the Jets in a lot of different areas and a lot of different things, but Brassois' rebound control has been something that's been pretty consistent over the few games. The Winnipeg Jets were a lot better at capitalizing on it in the first game, um, and there wasn't a lot of, you know, opportunity for him to give up those rebounds in the second game when Winnipeg just couldn't gain the zone to save their life against the 1-3-1, but... Today, when you're struggling to generate shots at all, why not just throw a little bit more on net? Because then at least you get something out of it. Because they were creating turnovers every single time below that goal line behind mm-hmm. Brassois. So it was really, really frustrating in that capacity. Yeah, there was the one where, and he like he did what you were supposed to do, but Lowry was going in one on four. I think it was in overtime. Yeah. Um, and like he did what you're supposed to do, kill time, let everyone kind of get mm-hmm. to him. Eventually they turned the puck over anyway with one of those plays that Liz was describing below the goal line. But if you just waste one, you know, like just fire a shot on goal, the, the dude's been out there for a while. Maybe it squeaks through, you know, like he, he is yeah. certainly not an impenetrable force. And so it's just, it's some of those. I will say that little crossing thing you guys do. Um, where there's a point shot and someone is skating through. That, that's how they got the first goal. It's how Shifley almost ended it uh, with like a second left in the, the first overtime. Like that that play, I think, can be really effective and just create a bit of chaos in front of this dude. Um, when, when I think of kind of the, the, not that we're exiting it, although maybe, but the, the glory of the, the Winnipeg Jets, it's scoring those goals where just like everyone's banging away in front and people are getting their eyes slashed and all those things. Um, just create that chaos in front of a goalie who does feel like he is extremely shaky. I, I feel like that that's something that can rattle confidence for you're in a playoff series, right? Rattle it for a game or two. Mm-hmm. It's kind of all you need. Yeah. Yeah, we're not. I, getting- it's got to be an ugly game four. that's yeah. our path to victory. Ugly, yeah. ugly, ugly stuff. I... One thing in the chat that I wanted to highlight that somebody brought up. Is this Captain Lowry now? Like, he's like, he's the leader yeah. the, the rest of the way. So like, I'm he has to be. On team. So it was so funny. I was listening to Kenny and Rennie the other day, and I guess they're kind of, you know, as their ongoing show, they have one of those arguments where they both can't seem to agree with each other on it. But one mm. of them is, is Adam Lowry a third line center or a fourth line center? I am team Adam Lowry is a fourth line center. I have been sorely proven wrong throughout the last part of this series or season, pardon me, and into the beginning of this series. And I'm so glad to be wrong. I this player has been it's just so fun. Like on the on the penalty kill and stuff like that too, where it's just like the extra mile always. And normally I don't give players credit for effort because it's like, cool, you get a gold star, but if someone still scored against you or you still screwed that up, like, what do you want me to say about that? Um, But it's effort in an effective way with an effective player, and he knows his type of role. He's not flashy. He's not trying to do, like you know, all these extra things. He he sticks to what he's extremely effective at and will never, you know, if there's a gap puck that he could get, he will always go for it. He will always be the first one to it. And man, oh man, that guy works his butt off and is just so excited and proud and like such a team guy. And I am fully on the Adam Lowry train. I wasn't, I wasn't, and I was being tempted to jump on and now I have to be on. Now I have to be on. Yeah, at, at this point, it's, it's, it's tough. Cause like, Josh Morrissey is, in my opinion, I think he's kind of like the heart of the team. Um, That's fair. But but Adam Lowry is is the is the effort and the work ethic of the team, and I think that soul. Yeah, he's the soul. Thank you. That's the word. Yeah. I I couldn't connect it to a, a body part or anything like that. He's but the teeth. I was like, he's not the brain. He's not the you know. <laughs> but he is. 
he's the soul of the team. He really is. And there, we were sitting here talking about like, you know, oh man, like right as, as near the end of the game before they had tied it up and, you know, list turns over and goes, oh man, if a Hey baby goal right now would, would absolutely light the place on fire. And I go, I don't know. A sandstorm might go crazy. (laughs) Uh, to be clear, that Sandstorm is is Lowry's goal song, and uh, and and what was the other one? Hey, baby, is Dubois. Uh, if anyone did not know, um, I'm big into the goal songs. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and man, just the the amount of excitement. Uh, I wish we were still at the uh, at the True North Square to have seen you know back, the excitement of the crowd. Uh, unfortunately, we left after the second period to come back here to make sure we caught the end of the game and do the stream, but. Adam Lowry has firmly planted himself as the cap, like the front runner for the captaincy at this point. Like it's, 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 un- I, you know, I, I would love for it to be Morrissey. I really would. And I think that he is so important to this team, but like, man, like it, it, even, even going past all the work ethic, the soul, the, the fact that, you know, Adam Lowry's there in day in and day out, even, even though he had some rough points this season, I mean, he's what now? Is he not leading the Jets in goals in the in in the playoffs? Like he's got four now, yeah. And and I he's, think he's tied for the playoff lead. At this and point. He, and he's and he's like he's playing a second line role at this point too. Uh, like he he has soared so much higher than uh any of our expectations i think for him no it's like the same the meme of like oh are you the stepfather no i'm the father who stepped up that's adam lowry like that's the same vibe like that's exactly what he's saying it's like well oh if you he he gives like i don't even know where it's like oh man oh man i'm sorry but i need you to play defense he'd be like all right strap it in i'll do it like i just it's got that vibe you know check this out stanley cup goal leaders rupe hints four chris kiger four adam lowry four what yes what? noted goal scorers <laughs> that's that's awesome um i wanna just i think we'll probably wrap things up sooner rather than later here and i just kind of want to talk a little bit about the inevitable game four right so we obviously know that monday is going to be game four this series last game at home before they go back to vegas and depending on how things go it could be the last home game of the <laughs> Whatever. It's of fine. the Mark Shifley of era. Of the Mark Shifley era. No. <laughs> Anyways, of all these things, there's just a lot riding on this Monday. It's going to be a really emotional game. Um, and I think to add to that emotion, I think Logan Stanley probably draws in as the sixth defender. Um, someone mentioned in the chat earlier that they liked Dylan Sandberg and Dylan DeMello as a pairing earlier this season. I hope that's what they go with. Um, I think... Um, Neil Pionk's been fine. I think that he and Dylan can manage as a pairing, and I don't th- love Stanley and Schmidt, but the thing is we don't see enough of Dylan Sandberg when he's playing with Schmidt on that third pairing as it is, so I think he's the player that I want to promote a little bit, and I think it could be a fine pairing if they, I don't know, even though it's more minutes, whatever, and bring in a bruiser like Logan Stanley. I don't know. What do you guys think changes in the lineup for, for Monday? It's It's do or die at this point. I know it's only game four, but yeah, I sorry, I'm just gonna hop in very quickly. Um, I like what you're saying about those pairings. Um, because I, 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 you know, we've seen um Stanley play with Dylan DeMello a lot in the past, and he's had his best results with Dylan DeMello. Who hasn't? But well, true. But the but the 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 reality of it is, I I don't think that the Jets can afford to demote Dylan DeMello down to whatever minutes that Logan Stanley will be playing. And um, and we've already seen that Dylan Sandberg 
can handle playoff hockey, can handle a decent amount of minutes. He played, I don't know how many minutes tonight, but um, a significant amount. He was on the ice a lot. And uh, and yeah, so I, I, I am excited to see how they how it comes out. I would be very shocked to see Capo Bianco draw in yeah. over uh, Logan Stanley, especially considering it's playoffs. But uh, but anyways, uh, we need what? some bad, bad Leroy Brown goal songs. Come on, come on. <laughs> we need we need two clap bombs over uh, Carey Price's shoulder. That's what and we then here still can you the still Dre is gonna go crazy when Logan Stanley scores two <laughs> yeah. goals against it The one thing Logan Stanley does is shoot the puck. He will just yep. shoot it. That's true at inappropriate times from inappropriate locations, but he will shoot the puck. Um, I think they have to. Uh, Stanley's got to play like seven minutes or less and they got to double shit. They got to, they got to double, um, uh, Pionk, uh, and just, and Logan Stanley meet Eve, Ivan Barbashev, Nick Roy and Keegan Colasar and just hard match him against, uh, the fourth line. And because if Logan Stanley's caught out there after not playing for what, three months, essentially against Jack Eichel speed against March show speed, it's going to be uh, an ugly turn of events. Um, yeah. Chandler Stevenson has been a revelation, I think, in this playoffs. Logan Stanley cannot be out there against Chandler Stevenson. And and if he is out there against Chandler Stevenson, uh, Mark Stone or Jack Keuchel, you better be putting some some fucking wood into his back like i i'm not i'm not calling I'm, that. I'm not calling for any sort of like attempt to injure or anything but do not make it easier fun to play it out there you know i'm 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 not calling for any sort of attempts for injury i want that to be very clear but you know that someone may be a little bit more tender in certain areas you know it's the playoffs i gotta like you, you gotta play to your your strength well, and, that and is his strength is doing that to people yeah exactly yeah. and so Logan Stanley, uh, you're up, bud. Uh, you might be sitting in the box a lot. That's okay with me, um, especially if you might be taking off other other players who are definitely more useful on other teams. That's what I, I was think saying. we're about to get the first Department of Player Safety call to a host of a podcast. <laughs> Jeez, Brady, I'm not calling for injuries. To be clear, I just I'm like, come on, like you know what I mean, though. Like it's it, when yeah. you have when when you're in a series against a team, you gotta wear them down. And that's one thing that I, I commend Nino Niederreiter for whenever, even if he wasn't scoring goals, he's been an absolute wrecking ball. Um, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and like, and that's the one thing I just, I've, I've been very frustrated seeing uh, some of the players who play a lot of minutes for the Jets just haven't been doing the things that you kind of need to in a playoff series. Uh, it is kind of intangibles to be like, oh, you know, you got to make sure you hit them, make them scared, make them make them hear footsteps. But like, you got to make it not easy for them. And I don't think the Jets have made it uh, too like too difficult for the Golden Knights to get into areas where they're going to be, uh, you know, getting prime scoring chances. So. Chandler Stevenson is all alone in the slot every five seconds, I swear. Like... He's yeah. just he's just hanging out there. It's great. It's awesome. But um, before we wrap things up, um, yeah, obviously, lots of um exciting stuff that came from this game. Super nice to see the Jets turn it around a little bit uh, in the last period to give those fans um that were out in the streets uh, something to cheer about, especially and those inside the arena as well. Brady and I had the chance to um be part of the party in the plaza at True North Square, which is a super great addition. 
Uh, I really like that they did that. Obviously, as they kind of learn about the street parties and this new format that they got going, they'll they'll improve them and stuff. But it was just so great to be around so many awesome Jets fans today. I know the inside of that arena was electric. Both Brady and I get to be there on Monday, which we're so thrilled about. I've never been to a Winnipeg Jets playoff game before, which is you know, crazy, but also it's the Winnipeg Jets and they haven't played a lot of playoff games. So, you know, there is that too. Um, So we're super fired up. It's so awesome to see the entire city just like so on the same page about these things, you know, driving down Portage Avenue, honking at people wearing white on the side of the road. Like it's just, it's awesome. And I hope they can stretch this out as long as they can to, to keep going and, and give us some more games to cheer for them over because it, it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, we have all of our gripes with the way things are going with coaching, with management, with players and all that good stuff. But when you're in the situation where we are in the playoffs now, it's it's full steam ahead and we're super excited for Monday. So, Peter, Kishore, thank you so much for joining Brady and I today. We really appreciate it. Um, we will have more streams for everyone coming up uh, in the coming days. Brady has something he wants to add. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I just want to make a note because we will be going to the game. We'll be doing it live in person like this yes. again. Um, but we will, it will also likely be like, um, you know, 10, I don't live too, too far from the stadium, but, uh, we're not going to leave at the second intermission. No. I'm sorry, guys. I I, I didn't I, pay 200 bucks for that. No, nope. <laughs> absolutely not. So the, it, might, it might be a little bit later than normal, but, uh, but Hey, we'll be here and we'll be breaking it all down uh guys thank you so much for joining us uh kishore peter you guys are fantastic sorry for talking over both of you all the time uh it's what i do i'm sorry you got to get used to it but uh thank you all for tuning in obviously hey, check out peter was so good tonight i'm just gonna root against edmonton just out of solidarity <laughs> it, was, it was just amazing i'll say i'm doing that for peter but i was already doing that anyway yeah for yeah sure. exactly <laughs> um please I'll, do I'll check whatever i can get at this point for sure. Please, please, uh, please do check out. I mean, I guess there's unfortunately no more, no more game over Calgary streams yeah, this year, it. but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but next year, you know, if you have any flames fans in your life, uh, or yourself, uh, if you have a, a weird, you know, second uh, love for them, then, for some reason. then, then please do check out Peter on uh, game over Calgary. Uh, follow uh, Kishore on Twitter at science quiche. Uh, Peter, yours is primetime Klein. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. Great name. Great. Nine. Fantastic. And then uh, obviously NHL Chunky, uh, Liz Hood, follow at SCPN Sports. Uh, check out Alphabet Collective. I'll, I'll spam the link a couple more times. Please do donate if you have a couple extra bucks hanging around. And thank you all for tuning in. This was a lot of fun. It went a little bit longer than usual, but uh, it is what it Play is. Playoff hockey, baby. Hey, over double overtime. You got you get, you get a, a little bit more of a show. What I what can I and say? And it's my wedding day. I get to do what I want. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway thank you all for tuning in have yourselves a wonderful evening enjoy your saturday see you guys monday go jets go oh i hope it's hope it's a lot more better i hope it's better anyways <laughs> see ya thanks game over powered by sports interaction canada sportsbook